Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you. We are going to have Andre Ware and a little bit of John McClain a little later in the show, but we're going to kick off the show looking back at week five in the NFL. But one piece of news that actually came out today and this is nothing that's going to come out from the team because they're, at least at this point, there's, I don't think, a decision totally to be made. This was, I think it was Tom Pelissaro who uh, had put this up. Maybe it was Ian Rappaport having to do with Laramie Tunsil. And you, Laramie played in the game, then came out of the game uh, at some point on Sunday and apparently, and we, we knew it was his hand or his, his thumb. Ian Rappaport repeated, reported this earlier today that it is a torn UCL in his thumb. Now, I don't know what that UCL is. Could be a lot like uh, the UCL in a knee. But Larry Tunsil suffered a torn UCL in his thumb, and he'll need surgery eventually according to sources. However, the hope is that Tunsil could put off surgery until after the season and play through it. Maybe challenging, but that is his hope. That is our hope as well. Now, Jaron Christian has done a really nice job, but this offense, having Laramie Tunsil in it, is much needed, especially with what the Texans are going to see Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. So we will see what that means going forward, but as of right now, Laramie Tunsil is going to try and play through that torn UCL in his thumb, and we'll see how that one goes. It's going to be very, very difficult, but if anybody can pull it off uh, and play effectively, it's our guy, Laramie Tunsil. Okay, let's take a look back at week five in the NFL and start in London. But before we get over to Tottenham, let's get my music, please. There we go. I feel better when I've got my music, and I've got it right now. So here we go. Over in London, the Falcons took on the Jets, and, well, it was the Kyle Pitts show. The Jets kept fighting back, got it to 20-17, to and you thought, man, maybe this is the Jets' opportunity to steal one on the road, I guess. Either way, in London, but no, Matt Ryan found Kyle Pitts big. Mike Davis in the backfield with Matt Ryan. Ryan going to go deep down the middle. And the catch is made inside the 40-yard line by Kyle Pitts. What a game for number eight today. Yeah, how significant was it? Well, Pitts had 119 yards on nine catches, including a tutty. Cordell Patterson turning into a true running back. 14 carries for 54 yards, and Matt Ryan finished with 342 yards and two touchdowns, Zach Wilson, 192, but did have a pick. Rallied the Jets to get it to 27-20, but could not finish the deal in London. The Falcons moved to 2-3. and three. Arthur Smith gets that second win as Robert Sala, one of the first-year coach, falls to 1-4. and four. All right, let's go to the Steel City where the Broncos, the 3-1 Broncos, but got smacked last week, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers that needed a win in the worst way. And it was Ben Roethlisberger Redemption Day. And Snell hasn't seen a ton of time. That was just his 16th offensive snap this year. Now Roethlisberger's going to air it out. And it's caught in strong. 
in. A 50-yard touchdown strike. The Steelers took a 7-0 lead at that point, but this Broncos defense bounced back and went and got themselves a sack and found the football. And the penalty, the two-yard gain, second and 13. Pressure off the edge. Roethlisberger, the ball's loose. On the ground, it's picked up by Denver. Alexander Johnson returns it inside the 30. The Broncos offense did struggle to get going in this one. Down 10-3, to though, the Broncos' run game got rolling with the rookie, Javante Williams. They just need a yard. They pitch it out. Javante Williams. Williams slips through. He's got a ton of speed. And he's caught down inside the five by James Pierre. An eyelash away from a house call. But the Broncos had to settle for a field goal, and that was big on this day. It got him a 10-6 deficit, and the Steelers got the ball back. And Big Ben, well, he did what Big Ben always does. Held it and held it, and then found Chase Claypool for this big play. Four-man rush, Roethlisberger. Pitch and catch, Chase Claypool. Claypool across the 50. Claypool stays in bounds. And all the way down into the red zone before Miller shoves him out. The Steelers would eventually take a 24-13 lead, but the Broncos chipped away. And they did it in big fashion. As Teddy Bridgewater went deep and looked up his star receiver, Cortland Sutton, pretty ball, pretty catch. And this cut the lead again. Crowd again, trying to come to life to disrupt him. Bridgewater, he's going to air this thing out. He's got him. Touchdown. Diving catch, Cortland Sutton, 39 yards. And folks, we got a ball game in the Steel City. Oh, no doubt there was a ball game going on in the Steel City, but the Broncos gave up a field goal. It was 27-19, fourth and goal, 17 seconds left in the game. Teddy went looking for Cortland Sutton again, but no moss. A Pittsburgh Steelers interception ended this one. All coming down to this, Bridgewater intercepted. James Pierre picked it, and Pittsburgh is going to win it. Big Ben had himself a Big Ben day, 253 yards, two touches, no interceptions, did have that sack fumble he gave up, but that was enough. Najee, oh, Najee Harris, 122 yards on the ground, Chase Claypool, 130 yards receiving. Cortland Sutton, love to see him bouncing back. Seven catches, 120 yards, one touchdown, and the Broncos roar back in the fourth quarter, but can't get all the way back. Steelers win, move to two and three. The Broncos lose two in a row and fall to three and two. All right, let's go to the nation's capital or thereabouts. Close enough, if you will. Let's go Washington football team taking on the New Orleans Saints. And when Jameis Winston is under center, well, he is the epitome of the good, the bad, the ugly. This was the good. Down the field, 
Deontay Harris. Take a listen. I'm not sure who the analyst is here, but take a listen at the beginning. He tells you exactly what Winston's going to do. Number 11, Deontay Harris. He's at the bottom of the screen. I really like him and what they've been doing with him. Winston's going to take another chance. Wide open is his man. It's Harris. And he is in. Touchdown. Jameis, deep ball. Let him throw it deep, and he is going to make things happen. And by the way, safeties, you don't get out of your skies. You keep sitting low. Jameis is going up top, and he found his man Deontay Harris to give the Saints a 7-3 to lead. That's good, Jameis. Oh, boy, let's get to the bad and the ugly right here. It's Chase Young. Got to the quarterback for one of the few times this year. Winston feeling the pressure. Football is loose. And it's picked up by Deron Payne. Second turnover for the Saints in their first three possessions. And it was Chase Young who knocked it loose. I'll be brutally honest. I love myself some Chase Young. Love studying him in the draft. Loved his, love his approach to the game. But on this day, it was not enough. With the score 13-13, just before the half, the Saints were flirting with field goal opportunity. But it was a little bit too far. So Sean Payton said, Jameis, throw it deep. Number one, Marquez Callaway will catch it in the end zone. Trust me on that. This is not only the good, this is the awesome of Jameis Winston right here. Hail Mary time. Marquez Callaway is ready to answer. Here is Winston. Just going to take his shot, throwing towards the end zone. And it is cut. My goodness. Touchdown. Winston's prayer is answered. It's Callaway. What a way to end the half, and what a game for Jameis Winston. 279 yards passing, four touchdowns, two of those caught by Marquez Calloway. Alvin Kamara scored the other touchdown for the Saints, a rushing touchdown. Saints win, moved to 3-2. and two. They beat the Washington football team now 2-3, 33-22. A strong victory for the Saints Going on a bye next week, so that's a great way to go into the bye for the Saints, 33-22, over the Washington football team. All right, let's go up to the Metrodome. Wait, no, not the Metrodome. U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Vikings were taking on the Lions. And the Vikings, well, they were down 3 to nothing early in this game, but that's okay because Kirk Cousins has got Justin Jefferson. Vikings can throw a lot of receiving options at you on third and six. From the pocket, well protected. Down the sideline. And caught! Justin Jefferson! The coverage was good, but he was bad. Yeah, a lot of receiving options. No doubt about that. But they've also got some run game options, too. Now ahead, 13-6 to six in the second half. The run game got going. But not Dalvin Cook. Not this time. Dalvin set out this game not 100% healthy. That's okay. The Vikings have as good a number two in the league as you're going to find Alexander Madison. With the Vikings holding a seven-point lead, only one touchdown. Madison scored that on a flip from Cousins. 
And there goes Madison. He's loose. Alexander Madison. All the way down to the 25 of the Lions. The Vikings would take a 16-6 lead. But the Lions chipped away and chipped away. Austin Siebert hit a 40-yard field goal to make it a one-score game. Then DeAndre Swift scored with 37 seconds left. And Dan Campbell said, go for two. And the Lions scored the two when Jared Goff found Cardero Hodge in the back of the end zone. Oh, no. The Vikings are going to choke this one away. Oh, no. Greg Joseph, 54 yards away, said, it's good. Vikings win. Joseph to give the Vikings the lead back. It's up there. It's out there. And this time it's through. As time expires. And the Vikings are going to win this game on a field goal. Oh, my goodness. The poor Lions lose again 1917. They lost 1917 to the Ravens at home on a 66-yard field goal. Now they lose again on a 54-yard field goal. Dan Campbell was literally in tears, or as some people say, literally. No, it's literally. Look at the spelling. There's an E in there. It's literally. He was literally in tears after the game. And look, I love that out of my coach. That was the way I was. I was an emotional sort when I got on the field. Lions cannot buy a win. And unfortunately, the Lions, they can't buy a win. They play really good football. They just can't finish the deal. One of these days, they will because I think Dan Campbell will get that thing turned around. Speaking of NFC North, it was NFC North Packers against AFC North Bengals. And it didn't start well for the Packers in Cincinnati. Rodgers rolling right on first down. Fires downfield looking for Devontae Adams. It is picked off by Awuzier. He takes it back across midfield and finally brought down at the Green Bay 43-yard line. His first interception as a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. But the Packers would rise up and take a lead 16-7 to with about oh, a little over 45 seconds left in a half. And that's when the man affectionately known as Joy Franchise went back to throw. And you know who he's looking for. He did it at LSU. Now he does it with the Bengals. Jamar Chase was on the other side of this. It's magic time in Cincinnati. Burrow on second down. With time. Can't find anyone. And now he fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. And takes it all the way for a Bengals touchdown. 70 yards from Burrow to Chase. Oh. I'm telling you, it's fun to watch those two youngins hook up. But the veterans on the other side decided, decided to show them how it's done on this day. Amari Rogers in motion. Aaron Rodgers fires downfield looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! Inside the Bengals' 10-yard line. A spectacular catch. Rodgers to Adams, 59 yards. But the Bengals would rise up and tie this game at 22. And the Packers had the ball with just over three minutes left. Could they get in range for a possible field goal attempt to win this game? 
Well, with Aaron Jones, the answer is yes. From the 25-yard line, Rodgers hands it off to Jones, and Aaron Jones picks up the first down, still going across midfield. Inside the 30. Wow. Down to the 20-yard line of the Bengals. Fifty-seven yards. It was at this point that this game then got nutty. Crosby missed. Then Evan McPherson missed. Crosby missed again. Crosby missed again. McPherson missed in overtime. And finally, after five misses by both Crosby and McPherson, Mason Crosby stepped up and put an end to all of the misery of Packers fans on this day. For the win, from the left hash, two minutes remaining in overtime. Crosby's kick, this time, is good! From GOAT to HERO, Crosby wins it in overtime for the Green Bay Packers. Both teams sensational in this one. Aaron Rodgers threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones ran for 100. Devontae Adams caught 206 yards worth of passes. How about a 300, 200, 100 day from the Packers? Jamar Chase with 159 yards and a touchdown. You heard of Joe Burrow threw for 281. Buddy threw two interceptions. And Mason Crosby finally hit the game winner as the Packers leave Cincinnati 4-1 with a 25-22 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, let's go out to L.A. where it was an instant classic, one of the best games you're going to see anywhere. The Browns jumped out 10-7, but Justin Herbert looking to throw the bomb, and when he's doing that, he looks for Mike Williams. Into today, the Chargers led the NFL in drops with 11 drops, and that was really more of just a good defense. He's got Williams deep on third and 10. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown, 72 yards. Wow. Tell you what, man, SoFi Stadium was rocking on this day. However, eh, there would be a few tears a little later as in the third quarter, the Browns were now up 20-13, to 13, and there's a wild Chubb on the loose. Yeah, Nick Chubb, and he's taking this one to the house for a two-touchdown lead. What he brings to that room. Chubb's got 77 yards on the ground, second down, four, adding to it, stiff-arming, keeping his balance. It's a foot race down the sideline, touchdown. Magnificent. 52 yards. But the Chargers would cut into that lead 27-21 with just over 11 minutes in the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter just got nutty. It started here when Justin Herbert rolled right and threw all the way back to the left. And he found his guy, Mike Williams, yet again. First and 10. Take the Kelly. Good block by Parham. Going, going. They got him wide open. This is six. That is six. 42-yard touchdown pass. We are tied. So Chargers fans just sat down, getting all excited about that Mike Williams touchdown, and not two plays later, David Njoku 
did this on a throw from Baker Mayfield. Ready, go. The second down and three. Hudson still playing that right tackle. Caught. Najoku broke a tackle on the play of Adderley. Galloping free. Look at this. Foot race. Campbell can't get him. Touchdown. The Cleveland Browns. Back and forth and back and forth. And finally, the Browns took a 42-35 lead. And it was a key third down. Herbert, with a little pressure, rolled to his right. He's been throwing to Mike Williams all day long. Third and five. Is he going to find Mike Williams? No. Would he find Keenan Allen? Yes. Six in the secondary. Third and five. He gets away from one defender. Throws downfield. Keenan Allen. What a catch over Hill. 33-yard line. That was poetry. It was absolutely poetry on this day. Herbert, two yards short of four hundred. 398, four touchdowns. Two of those went to Mike Williams, who had 165 yards. The Browns were magnificent, too. Baker Mayfield, 305 yards passing, two tutties. Nick Chubb, 161 yards on the ground and a tutty. And Joku, who you just heard, seven catches, 149 and a touchdown. Instant classic out in L.A., 47-42. Chargers win, move to 4-1. Justin Herbert's the real deal. The Chargers are the real deal, no doubt. And let's finish up with who I think is the MVP in the league this year, and he may be at the end of the year, and I sort of hope he is. Because Josh Allen, has, he took heat the first couple of years, turned his game around in 2020, and has become the absolute star of the league with the Buffalo Bills. And he showed it off to give the Bills a 14-0 lead on Sunday night at Kansas City. Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders. 35 yards, beat Sneed. The big fellow from California via University of Wyoming was not done. He found Dawson Knox again. Allen stepping up, flushed out, directs traffic, fires it wide open, is Knox, and he's in for his fifth touchdown of the season. Allen flushed out of the pocket, 53 yards, goes to his right, and the tight end gets free for a touchdown. After a Micah Hyde pick six, the Chiefs got back in the game with a touchdown. Made it 31-20. The crowd revved it up. It was third down. They had to get off the field. And this is when Josh Allen went into sicko mode. On multiple occasions. Now they come. Here goes Allen. He's going to take over. He hurdles and picks up the first down. And that, my friends, was that. 38-20, the Bills get to win. They are now 4-1 and one and a decisive 4-1, and one, housing the Bills in Kansas City on Sunday night with a rain and lightning delay. Kansas City falls to 2-3. and three. Buffalo goes to 4-1, and one, and I think Buffalo is the best team in the league as we speak. Okay, when we get back, let's hear a little bit from our good friend Andre Ware right here on Texans All Access. Hey, we've got a lot of fans out there today, but I want to give props to today's biggest Houston fan. That's Dykin. 
These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors. As they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And this segment is brought to you by our good friends at Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of the Houston Texans. And when it's time to educate and evaluate, it's our good friend, Andre Ware. Let's talk about Mills first. The sunny side of the equation here as Mills throws for over 303 touchdown passes. What did you see in the young quarterback yesterday? I thought he grew up yesterday. I I really did. I thought he made great strides. I thought he looked like he had total command of, uh, of things offensively, the game plan, getting the, the, uh, the offense in the right protections, uh, better uh, run changes, all of it. I mean, and, and just to watch him throw the ball, I think you could see his, you know, his body just changed, you know, his body language changed. He was playing with an extreme amount of confidence. Jay, Mark and I have talked about an, any number of things about this particular game yesterday. And when it's a close loss, I mean, I, I, mean, I remember 40 to nothing on a flight home to Buffalo. At some point, I forgot about it already. Like, all right, New England, let's go. This, one, this one's sticking with me. That said, if you could turn around one moment from yesterday, mm. turn one, go in the other direction, what would it be? Uh, easy. The punt, the, the blocked punt where they're fourth and whatever it was, five or so, and I think around their 39-yard line, somewhere in there. And yeah. you know, you're jockeying with the punter. He's up, he's back. The play clock's running down. Just take a time out there. Let's sort things out. Make sure we get the football punted out of there and force them to drive the length of the field. I mean, they were they were doing some special things, but – uh, you know they when once they once the Patriots got cooking offensively, it was tough to stop them. But that's one moment that I would have, uh, I would have, I'd take back because they didn't have complete control or complete control of momentum at that point in the game. I'll give you one: the third and eighteen roughing the passer call. That's another one. Collins, he gets you know he gets a piece of chin there with the helmet, but it was so ticky tack, really. <sighs> it's so I mean, incidental contact. Yeah. You play the game, you're going to get a, hit on the chin. Yeah, that that coming from a an ex quarterback, that was a bad call. I mean, he just barely got touched, and he was being blocked in the process. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at first down, a new set of downs to continue to drive. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one too. You know, I'm not one to say, all right, the officials are out to get you or whatever. But I got to say this: in the years the Texans really struggled before, say 2011, when you started to get to the playoffs, I really felt like you didn't get the benefit of a lot of calls. And then when the Texans became a better team, it just felt different to me. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know what the analytics say. But right now, obviously, you know, you're one in four, and it just feels a little different in that department. I, I guess talking about the officiating is just shoveling sand against the tide. But that's how I feel about things. Well, I think I think you're on to something because, you know, when you – you know, games are called a little bit different for you. I mean, you go to basketball – Jordan gets the calls because the officials respect him and, you know, he knows how to work them. Well, you know, that the equivalent of that in 
basketball from a coaching standpoint is Bill Belichick. And so he's working the officials, working the sidelines. They have seen him for years or <clears throat> yeah, at some point during their careers have grown up, you know, grown in the industry to know who Bill Belichick was. And, and so you don't want to upset the man. I, I'm sure coach Saban is, is offici- officiated differently as well on the collegiate level. It's just that way because of the respect you have for the individual and his team uh, along the way. It's funny like this, guys, because like last night the Astros are playing and baseball's so unique in that the umpire makes a call on every pitch, right? Yeah. But you have that box. So at home we see the box, yeah. and we can see if it's a strike or not based on the box, which might not be 100% accurate, but it's pretty good. And, you know, I hate to say I feel sorry for some of the umpires, but that's hard to do. You know, you might be a little outside, but it's a strike or, yeah. or whatever, or a little inside we call it a ball. And they're evaluated on the couches of America on every pitch. Yeah. That's that's tough to me. That's tough to me. Well, I, I wouldn't they wouldn't they be, blew a call I, last night when mm-hmm. – when, uh, when the White Sox player was running down the infield or the oh, grass yeah. area going to first base and the ball, you know, is coming home and it hits him. I've never seen a batter play baseball, watching uh, Z's games. I mean, I watch a lot of it and you never take off down the, the, the left inside first base on the grass yep. area unless you're trying to distract the throw. Yep. And you get away with it. If you get away with it. And uh, got away go. with it. Got away ah. with it. Got away with it. Uh, Dre, defensively yesterday, Lonnie gets the interception. John Grenard, uh, I thought, played maybe the best game he has played. It feels like there were some bright spots defensively, but then there were times defensively, oh, man, you wish they could have had a couple plays back. They were running play action slants. That was a big part of the game. As you kind of thought back on this one, you think about the defense. What were your overall thoughts of the way that Lovey's group played yesterday? I think they played well, you know, and – and uh, but it was in needed some key stops that they would, you know, kind of shoot themselves in the foot in the foot every now and then. I thought uh, Grizzle Hill had another solid game. A guy I thought maybe played his best game so far is uh, Jalil Johnson. Active, yeah. You know, you're talking about pitch outs or quick screens. He's out in space making tackles or at least assisting on tackles, and you know, playing stout in the middle of right slap in the middle of the defense and he's doing that from a defensive tackle spot so it lets you know he's got a motor it lets you know he's locked in and and uh that that was a, a big big bright spot for me along those lines it's it's interesting to think that jaleel johnson and chris moore both guys had had good training camps yeah, but just kind of maybe a bottleneck of a position right at receiver and defensive line that they stay with it Jaleel comes back to the team after Vincent Taylor's injury. They stay with it, and then they have the day that they did yesterday. Dre, those are the guys that I absolutely love. Those guys that off the radar, you know, did good things, really good guys, and then go out there and have an afternoon like Chris Moore and Jaleel Johnson did yesterday. Yeah, I think Chris Chris Moore went from a player in the NFL to a guy that's going to have a career in the NFL because – you know, 31 other teams, including uh, New England, saw what he did yesterday. He showed speed. He's got good size. He showed range. Uh, he showed the ability to run after the catch. Um, he showed a lot. And sometimes those those types just need the opportunity. And he, he's a guy that's going to be around for a long, long time. Well, we'll see how it goes. I, I can't wait till 
they get Nico Collins back in the fold. Oh, we want to see what that rookie can do with this offense. Andre, I charted the first down play selection. 17 first down play calls yesterday for the Texans. 10 runs, 7 passes. On the passes, 3 for 6 plus a sack out of those 7 attempts. Look, they're trying to mix it up, but they still have a great deal of difficulty running the football. What do you think? You threw for 300 yards yesterday, still couldn't run the ball for more than 70 yards. Yeah, you beat me to doing that because <clears throat> that was my project uh, last mm-hmm. night, and I got busy watching watching other stuff, the Astros and so on and so forth. But, yeah, that it, it seems like there were more more runs on first down. It always does. It doesn't seem like it was that that kind of balance. But that's where they can they can really help. I think uh, Davis Mills is just to, to to spread teams out a little bit more. That makes it easier to get to the running game, and then you kind of have some consistency uh, within the offense, or certainly within the running game. But that's what I think is going to have to happen because he seems to be more uh, comfortable there and doing it. I was impressed with him from the standpoint of you know not holding the ball too long, getting it out. And with a running game, with that, that's when, you know, you have yourself a complete offense and defenses are going to have to play you kind of on their heels because they don't know what's coming. Uh, Teams are literally loading up on first down against the Texans, and they're going to continue to do it until uh, until it changes. Jerry, I think this is going to sound weird, me saying this, but I think one of the more difficult positions to, to be to play is to be a kicker. Because you you wow. have one job, and it's it can be so terribly difficult, but it can also be like a golfer in some sense. It gets in your head, all that kind of stuff. Dre, having played the game and having been at that penultimate spot of and being he the quarterback. Dre kicked in high school. I know, and, and I'm sure Dre was fantastic. You miss a field goal in high school? I'm sure you didn't. But that, that being said, Dre, if you're a player, how do you kind of approach a guy that struggled the way that Kaimi did yesterday I mean is that something you as a player you just stay away from it's a guy that's made a lot of kicks for this organization is it just a bad day how do you kind of approach it if you're a player when you know you give everything you have kicker just had a bad day uh and that costs you in some certain circumstances as a player how do you kind of go about handling that yeah as a player as a teammate I'm not I'm not gonna say much to him and you know if I did it was it was yesterday hey keep your head up and you know, pat him on the back because you got to believe in it. He's he's there. He's a teammate, and you support him. Um, no advice given. No, uh, you know, pity party. You know, he's he's a he's a player on the team. So you just you don't bring much light to that unless it starts to happen more consistently. Heck, Mason Crosby missed three yesterday after yeah, making exactly. I don't know how many in a row. So it's yep. just sometimes it's just that day. Sometimes you go to the golf course and you've got you know, a, a shot that moves le- right to left and you can't stop it. And the, cl- the course is playing left to right. And so you, you're you just, it's just that day. And you just got to swallow it and and, uh, and own it for that day. But, you know, you try not to repeat it at that position. And so it's tough because uh, when I kicked, I had a lot of other things to think about other than that kick uh, before the kick. You know, you, you, you just basically, I throw a shoe on and, and head out and kick one and, and then uh, head back to the sideline. So they don't have that luxury. They got to sit around in the NFL and think about the kick the entire drive and what it means and so on and so forth, or the extra points getting ready to come up because we're getting ready to score here. And so they're processing it the entire time. It's it's tough to do, 
But uh, when you get a good one, and I think he is a good one, just had a bad day, you chalk it up to that. Did you toe kick it or you soccer style? No, I toe kicked it. And, and uh, it was uh, it was experimental, and then I just kept messing around with it and, and got pretty good at it. My coach saw me doing it. Coach Ferris saw me doing it. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to try you there. And I wound up being an all-district all kicker. I don't want to say it sort of breaks my heart, but, you know, it's Trey. He pretty much did anything, and so it's okay. He was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, so it's okay that he was a kicker. Steve Spurrier was also a kicker who made a big kick against Auburn in his Heisman Trophy year as well. So I'll look past it because, well, it's Trey, our good friend. Okay, we're going to close down the show next with our good friend John McClain talking about the gut punch that was yesterday against the New England Patriots. Next on Texans Access. Welcome back to this final segment of Texans All Access on this Monday evening. And I've got a question for you. What do you call a group of friends huddled around a TV, jumping with the Miller Lite in one hand, proudly chanting, we are Texans? What do you call that? Well, you call it Miller Time in Houston. Miller Lite is a championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller Time this season. You can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, I know that there are a lot of you out there that like Miller Lite, and there are a lot of you out there that are teachers. And I know sometimes teachers will sometimes need Miller Lite. But what you need, teachers, is a little Texas football in your classroom. When you get home, you can have the Miller Lite. In your classroom, you can have Toro's Math Drills presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to Houston Texans slash HoustonTexas.com slash Toros Matros to learn more. So there we go. And welcome back to the show. I'm John Harris. And it's time to catch up with our good friend, John McClain, the general. Here we go. John, a day later, your thoughts on what you saw at NRG Stadium yesterday. Well, first of all, people think I'm nuts when I say this, but I wrote back before training camp the single most important thing they had to determine this season as if Davis Mills could be their quarterback of the future. And if he could, that'd be great because it would have a huge impact on the draft. And then if he couldn't, it would have a huge impact on the draft because they'd have to find <laughs> another quarterback. And so the way he played, I don't know that I have ever seen in more than four decades covering the NFL a player to turn around like he did to be so bad at Buffalo and so good against the Patriots. And people think, well, the Patriots were one and three. But they're fifth in defense. They're fourth against the pass. And they had a really good defense. And he was tremendous. 21 of 29, 312 yards, three touchdowns, and a rating of 141.7. Do you guys know how many times Deshaun Watson had a rating of better 141.7 in his four-year career? I know once that was Atlanta, I believe, in 2019. Three times. Three times. Look. Three times was all. And he should have had another touchdown, but Chris Moore dropped it in the back of the end zone. So his performance was outstanding. 
And I believe that he will keep playing when Tyrod Taylor's healthy because, you know, the fact is they're one in four. And so what does it mean to win three or four or five games? They need to be to keep losing. So it, in into April, when they got high draft choice, they're high picks in the first and second round, and they hope to have high picks in the Watson trade. Then they start bringing in some real talent. And if Davis Mills is the quarterback, think of what Nick Casario could do with a high pick. He can take an impact player. He can trade down and get possibly a couple of impact players. So uh, what they wanted, what I believe they should accomplish, which is to see Mills, he looked how he can do. He looked great. Now, can he do it in Indy? Can he keep it up? Can he get better? It's hard to imagine him getting better, but uh, throwing on the run to his right. And somebody said, oh, well, he threw a bad pass that Chris Moore just made a great catch. Well, is every quarterback pass perfect? Of course not. That's part of the key, having a guy that can get it. And Moore, you know, having him play better than any time he played in his career, he admitted it was the best game of his what is it, six years now he's been in the league primarily as a special teams player? I'm eager to see him in the next game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Chris Moore because, John, one of the things I think about, even with a guy like Chris Moore, uh, and I wrote this in, in my uh, Harris hits, which hopefully are up uh, this morning at some point, but the you mentioned the biggest thing is finding Davis Mills. I think I would put right there along with it, maybe a shade below because it's not quarterback, is finding foundation pieces for this team, for the rest of this season and beyond. Guys that you absolutely, without a doubt, know. And it feels like watching number 52, John Grenard, on the field, we're seeing a, a foundation piece. A, do you believe that's the case with John Grenard, that we're starting to see a guy that we really can rely on? And B, what other foundation pieces do you think the Texans are now finding this early in the season to move forward? If Goddard could stay healthy and play all the time, I think you're going to see him get better and better. You know, if you look around, you know, how many guys yesterday, Moore, Grenard, how many guys really stepped up besides Mills? Do you see others? You know, I can't figure out this offensive line. You know, they rush for 60-something yards, and people act like they rush for 200 because they've been so inept in the last I mean. few games. But the fact is, Philip Lindsay. Mark Ingram and Davis Mills had their season-long runs wiped out because of penalties. And that would have put them at 101 yards. And even though that's nothing special, when you look at what they've been doing, that's been the most since Jacksonville. So uh, those penalties hurt. David Culley talks about those penalties all the time. He's going to talk about them all week. Chris Moore had one, Justin Britt had one, and Max Sharping had one. So I, I, you know, you'd say, okay, they got to stop committing penalties, but you know, they did and it hurt, uh, call back three runs of, I think, whatever, 34 yards or something like that. And that just can't continue to happen. Let's be honest. They've got to rein that in and get that run game going. A big thanks to John for being here and Andre Ware. Hopefully you enjoyed my week five breakdown in the NFL. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And as always go Texans.